Hey everyone, this is Brian Ferguson. If you're listening to this, then I know you enjoy the Bumps and Thumps podcast. In order to continue to get the guests on and improve our podcast, we need support from listeners like you. That financial support helps us continue to do the podcast and get guests on that we normally would not be able to get on the show. Please go to anchor.fm forward slash Brian, B-R-I-A-N dot Ferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N and the number three after and click on the support button. There will be options there for you to make a monthly contribution. With your contribution, we can continue to conduct the podcast and ask more well-known wrestlers from the past and present that require financial compensation to be on the podcast. Again, please go to anchor.fm forward slash Brian, B-R-I-A-N dot Ferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N and the number three and click on the support button. Thank you for listening to the podcast and thank you for your support. Thank you for joining another edition of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I'm Brian Ferguson. Today, my guest is a wrestler, actor, voice talent, model, and business owner. Yes. He is known as the Steel Scorpion. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce Mr. Mad Mac Davis. And, and people will ask me, what's mad mean? I'll tell you in a few minutes. All right. I was going to ask great you. to be here. Great to be here. Thank you very much for coming on. Let's talk about that. How did you get that name, Mad? It came about uh, when we were putting together a, a, a tag team, really, originally. Uh, we were trying to go for something that had a road warriors kind of feel. Mm-hmm. And of course, Mad Max was a big thing that was out of those times in the movies and stuff. So the, the Mad Mac kind of really came from that as the development of the name. But over the years, it's kind of uh, morphed more into I'm Mac Davis and then I'm Mad Mac Davis. And the only reason you see Mad Mac Davis is because she did something that really ticked me off. And now I'm <laughs> lit up and we're going to have to go in the ring. That's where Mad Mac Davis comes from. So. All right. And how about the, the Steel Scorpion? The Steel Scorpion uh, came along later. I was beginning to do a lot of uh, matches that were hardcore and uh, usually inside a steel cage. Yeah. And another wrestler actually in the back came up to me and said, oh, the Steel Scorpion. And I was like, wow, I like that. And it stuck ever since. And that's what that's everybody great. really started uh, calling me as, you know, the Steel Scorpion, yeah. uh, especially in my later years when I came back, because mm-hmm. the kids didn't know Mad Mac Davis because I was gone for a period of 10 years, which we'll talk about. But mm-hmm. when I came back, you know, the only thing I heard was Scorpion, Scorpion, Scorpion. So the kids immediately just like that took to it, you know, because wow. of the name, I guess. Yeah. That's pretty, you got two names. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. I mean, one, most people only get the one. Yep. You, you, you got two. The first one was a, not a bad one. If you're a country music fan, Mac Davis was already good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was, speaking of that, when I was doing some research, I would get you and then he would come up to the, the, yep. the late country singer. And uh, I remember him as a little kid when I was in the 70s. Yeah, I was about to say, when I was growing up, we we were about the same age. We were talking about this earlier. And uh, my grandfather used to call me on the telephone. His name was Mac as well. Uh And he would call me up and he'd go, hey, you're on TV. I'm I'm just kind of a young kid at that point. I'm like, what are you talking about? Turn on the TV and there's the Mac Davis show. And like, oh, okay, I get it now. (laughs) But that helped me quite a bit later on when I got into radio. Yeah. Uh, that name just kind of blended straight into the radio. So yeah, yeah, that's a, that's yeah, that was that was a good. When I was doing some research, he'd come up and so let's talk about you growing up. Uh, where are you from? Your family? Uh, what you born did? Born and raised in Savannah, Georgia. Okay. Uh, beautiful little town back then, still is. Um, and uh, was there till about my early twenties. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, my father was a newspaper man, and uh, he always had different characters around over the years. I would run into Red Skelton. I met him in, the, in our car from the wow. airport to um, to his hotel. My dad had to pick him up and I'd run in the car with Red Skelton. I don't even know who Red Skelton is at that point. Later on in life, you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> I had a conversation with him in the backseat of my dad's car. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I got to meet a lot of people. And that 
helped me a little bit later on, I think, when it came into radio, because I was a little comfortable meeting people and talking to people because mm-hmm. it was always around me. Yeah. Um, and so as I grew up in Savannah, I began to realize I, there's something in me that I need to kind of, I guess, be a showman. Uh, you kind of get that feel like you want to be, there's something in entertainment that really attracts you mm-hmm. and seeing all those guys over the years and meeting them through my dad uh, later on when I got to radio, it, it was easy. It was like, you know, Wolfman Jack, he came in when I was in radio mm-hmm. and uh, I was on the air doing an oldie show. Uh, I worked for a radio station in Savannah as well. And uh, that was where I got my start on the microphone. And I'm on the air doing an oldies program and I'm imitating Wolfman Jack (laughs) and had no clue he was anywhere in the area. But all of a sudden I get a call uh, from downstairs, the radio station saying the radio station saying uh, Wolfman Jack's coming up. He wants to go on the air with you. Well, and I'm thinking this is a joke at this point. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> and sure enough, here comes Wolfman Jack up into the studio. I got to do an hour long, about an hour, hour and a half, I think it was, of an oldie show, all requests with Wolfman Jack. And it didn't scare me. I, mean, I was nervous, but it yeah. didn't scare me. It actually thrilled me because it was like, okay, now I need to step up. And mm-hmm. that's where I think everything kind of came along the line between radio and wrestling, that when you're around people with uh, value in what you can learn mm-hmm. uh, from them, you feed from that. And you want to continue to meet the expectations of the people who are better than you so that you can meet you know, where they are and yeah. they can continue to pull you up and up and up, which is important even in wrestling now. Yeah. Uh, you know, Without the veterans that can reach down to these young guys and say, look, here, here's a few shortcuts and things you can do. Not bad shortcuts, but you're doing things too difficult. Here's how to do the same thing, but do it easier on your body. Yeah. And these young guys would learn so much if they would just listen to these guys talk to them and it was that way as a kid i mean just i've always applied that throughout my entire life i've always wanted to be uh around people a little bit older uh, Mm -hmm. because i knew i could learn from those folks it's a very good point yes indeed i same way i like to be around people that older know what they're doing yes and, and understand and have the patience to 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 teach you or to and there are a bunch of people out there too, who are our age that are more than willing to say, yep. tell me what you want to know. Tell me what I can help you with, mm-hmm. because we've been through so much at this point right now. That's you know, one of the angles we we're running in a storyline right now where, you know, it, the old guys have value to, you know, to these young guys, yeah. you know, and if you allow yourself to be open, you're going to learn a lot more, a lot quicker yeah. just by listening to these older guys. Right. Sometimes those younger guys don't have patience like we probably did when we were younger. But I think like the older you get, the more you realize. In today's age, if you don't get somebody's attention in the first five seconds, you're done. I mean, yeah. the attention span nowadays, this is not a cut on the younger people anyway right. watching. This is not a cut on you, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I'm saying, though, is that the listening habits, watching habits have mm-hmm. changed dramatically. Yep. over the years. Oh, yeah. And if you can't grab them in the first few minutes, they're not going to stay there. They're going to be gone. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I see a lot of people who put up things uh, in when it comes to advertising, which is something I do. You mentioned earlier. Yeah. And my rule of thumb is if you look at a billboard and you can see with in a glance as you're driving by what that billboard's message was, that was a good billboard. Because that's how people look at things nowadays. They turn on the TV or whatever, and they look at it, and then, I mean, within a half second to a second, man, they're done. You know, mm-hmm. oh, nope, not what I want. Psh, nope, not what I want. Psh, next, you know, you know how it is. Even social media has gotten yeah. really, you know, you we're constantly changing how we do podcasts and vlogs and things because sometimes you can do an hour show sometimes. The, you know, the, the watching habits only allow for a five minute show or yeah. you take a one hour show, which is what happens most times. Now you get an hour show and you can break it up into the little parts mm-hmm. and then show those in clips. People are more likely to watch those clips than watch the entire interview. Yeah. It's just a different world than it was when we grew up. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. hundred percent agree with you. And, and yeah, it's, it's a totally different world as far as that. 
schooling. Uh, you said you were uh, in Savannah. Did you go to college uh, there? I, I graduated from Windsor Forest High School in Savannah. Okay. I went to Armstrong State College after I left there. And it was in that first year I kind of knew uh, this isn't for me um, <laughs> because I knew what I wanted to do. And I didn't see how college was going to get me there. And, and, yeah. that's, and to get my kids, <laughs> and I'm not saying don't go to school. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for me, I knew I kind of had a feeling for what I wanted to do. And once I knew that, you know, when I knew radio was going to be my my career, and it was for over 30 years, yeah. um, that kind of fine-tuned where I needed to be and what I needed to do. Um, I don't think that college is for everybody, and and I openly say that. I, yeah. I think that there are technical colleges that are very beneficial to people, yep. uh, and I think there are situations where sometimes just get out there and do the work and learn the trade, and uh, you'll learn a lot more, uh, you know, on the job training, which I yep. think is very important. In wrestling, you know, because I know we're really revolving around wrestling, but yeah. wrestling is the same way. You know, you, you've got you've got to evolve. You, mm-hmm. you just have to. Um, <laughs> I'm going to shut up right now because I'm afraid I might say things I don't want to say, but you know, so, I, I just think it's kind of frustrating. Uh, if you're in wrestling, you're not going to want to go to college, you know, if that's yeah. your career, you know, but a lot of wrestlers now realize they need that backup uh, because yep. there's only so many years in wrestling that you can make a living mm-hmm. uh, unless you're one of the big guys. And then, you know, you might have a 20, 30 year career, yeah. but wrestling is a lot like Hollywood. You know, there's not, everybody's going to be the main star on the screen. It's not going to yeah. be, everybody's going to be the rock, you know, yep. and uh, people have to have a backup plan. So mm-hmm. education is extremely important, but uh, it, it all depends on the job that you're looking yep. for as to where you should be going. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, when I was in my 20, I didn't go to college until I was in my thirties myself. Uh, I just didn't have the desire. I just wanted to, you know, I was in the army. I just, I just did what I was told to do, uh, made rank. And then at a certain point I knew I was going to retire. I said, okay, I got to start doing something besides this. Cause when I get out, what am I going to do? Yep. I got to have a backup. So I totally agree with you on that. And like you said, uh, trade schools, wrestling school, let's talk about that. So you have been in the ring Talk to me about how when you went to wrestling school, what that was like for you. Well, for me, it was a little bit odd. Um, I didn't go to a traditional wrestling school. I got okay. trained on the job training, okay. um, and I, and I'll explain what why that is. Um, originally, when I was in radio, I was not in wrestling. I got let me back up a little bit. When when I was in radio, that's when I first got exposed to behind the scenes of wrestling mm-hmm. um, because I knew a promoter with WCW. His name was Chip Burnham. Okay. Super nice guy. Uh, I also had some contact with Dusty Rhodes. Uh, Dusty, through the years when I was in radio, would call me up. What do you need? And would supply us at the radio station all the time with T-shirts, hats, uh, koozies, wow. whatever that WCW product was out there. He made sure we always had a box full of it every month and didn't cost us a nickel. And we gave it away on the air. And when they came through town, they always had tickets for us to give away and they would purchase advertising. But I got to know certain people like Dusty Rhodes and Chip Burnham. And uh, so I got to learn a lot of behind the scenes, how this really operates and how it works. And over the years in the radio, interviewing a lot of the the wrestlers in the back for the shows that were coming up and uh, for the shows that already taken place, it it became... uh, kind of like a second family where again it was like i was in radio i knew i loved radio but Mm -hmm. there was something about wrestling that was calling my name and i knew it and a lot of the guys would always come like you would be a wrestler one day and i was a skinny little twerp i was like you know (laughs) i was more about you know rock and roll and you know having fun on the radio yeah and uh as time went on things just I don't even remember what the original question was now. So you're trying to remember, but I do know that uh, Chip Burnham and Dusty Rose have really helped me out in radio. And it came down to a uh, charity event. That's where we were. The charity event uh, was a football game between the police department and our sheriff's department. And at that time they needed something during halftime for entertainment uh, Mm -hmm. between the, you know, the football game. 
And they said, well, we'll have a wrestling match. The fire department will face the radio station in a wrestling match. We put together a very rude looking ring. I mean, it was basically like four <laughs> barrels and some ropes wrapped around them. But we got out there and we put on a little bit of a show, which got the attention of a promoter that was in the stands. I, and I had no idea. Yeah. And he came up to me after the uh, after we performed and said, have you ever considered actually getting in the ring and wrestling? And at that point, I had been working out a little bit more and started getting my body more into where I wanted it to be. And uh, I said, actually, yes, I have. I said, he said, come to our, uh, you know, facility. And he had just this little hole in the wall place with the ring in it. This yeah. is what those most places are. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, show me a few moves in the ring and see if I can take bumps. So that was the biggest thing. You know, can I take a bump without, you know, knocking myself silly? Yeah. And uh, people would be surprised just how hard those rings are. And not every ring's the same. I can also tell you that I've been in some rings where it, it, you, you wish you could be in it every day. And I've been in other rings where you feel like you're being traction the next day. Yeah. So they're really rough, but I got through that. And he said, all right, we're going to put you on a show. As I came out from my first show, the fans went nuts and I, no clue why they just immediately took to me. And it was at that point, they said, okay, you got to come to the next show and you got to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, Oh my God. And I was getting pushed without any real training, without any real knowledge of why I was doing certain things. I could perform as far as showmen perform in front yeah. of the fans mm -hmm. and make them believe what they were seeing. But you have to be able to do that in the ring as well. And that was yeah. slow coming, you know, because it was every show is where my training took place. Yeah. <laughs> so I was training in front of the fans. And uh, over time, it uh, I finally started catching on. Uh, yeah. But it took a while. You're the second person I've talked to that had no, no formal wrestling training and just did it in the ring. The first one I talked with Nikita Koloff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I did not know that. I've always read that he had training with Eddie Shark. He goes, no, I, I had no training. I got in there and they, that's how my training was. So sink or swim. Yeah. I mean, basically. That's really what it comes down to. You know, you, yeah. you, you get a feel for uh, what they expect you to do. Right. I've always been one of the types in my wrestling that uh, even on my bumps uh, in the ring, my bumps, I try to take them more like a realistic hit than a, a true back bump like a lot of guys do. And that's, and, and I, I wish I could do those back bumps still to this day, but my neck and my back won't allow me to do that. So I have to kind of go to my side or you know, take it a little bit funny. Mm -hmm. And um, those are things that in wrestling school, you really want to learn because yeah. it's protecting yourself and your body. Yeah. Uh, but when you learn it in the ring over time, you're, you're just kind of forced to sink or swim. And you yeah. don't have an option. You got to learn. You got to learn quick. I mm -hmm. did go back at that time. We had videotapes back then. We couldn't go on the internet because the internet wasn't a thing. Right. I could go back and watch videotapes in slow-mo and watch the moves, you know, frame by frame by frame. And that's what I did do to learn a lot of the, a lot of the moves. I just yeah. went back and slow-mo uh, videos to watch how, how each guy was setting up that move so I could understand better understand where it needed to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it allowed me to learn that way and I could apply one or two things I'd watch on video at the next show, mm -hmm. apply it in the ring. Get, okay. Yeah. That felt good. And then the next show try to add something different that you yeah. see on, you know, through the slow-mo and pick up on those things. So a lot of things were, you know, really by video slow-mo or from the person in the ring I was wrestling. And I had a lot of good guys I wrestled with in the beginning that yeah. they knew, you know, I was, uh, I was greener than goose stuff and, uh, you know, I, <laughs> and I needed help. And, and they, and I remember one time I was doing a match and uh, the guy that was in the ring with me, his name was Lance Christian. And I'm still young. I don't really, I'm, I'm saying young. I started at 38. Um, but when I, I had this young kid come up to me while I was in the ring, young doing what I'm doing. And he said, go to the uh, post, stand on the second row, put your hands in the air. I'm not thinking things like this. I'm just thinking I got to do this move, this move and this move. Yeah. He was teaching me things, you know, while we were working and I'd go up and do them. Fans would go nuts. Yeah. That's how you start to learn. You know, you have somebody else with more knowledge that yeah. says, Hey, try this. And uh, again, it goes back to listening to the people who know what they're talking about. Yeah. 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 It's uh, you have an amazing uh, little run there. I watched some of your uh, matches uh, on YouTube and um, 
you've had some amazing, amazing uh, matches. I was very, very, very impressed. I'll just say it like that. Thank uh, you very much. I, you know, for an indie level guy yeah. um, out there trying to apply, you know, the best show that you can. That was the one thing too. A lot of the videos that are on there that you see that I've posted mm-hmm. are matches that are my favorite matches, yeah. uh, matches that stood out to me. Um, and it was all usually from the same time period mm-hmm. uh, of when we had a group of guys in our organization, the group I worked with back then was called the GIWA, Georgia Independent Wrestling Association. And Mike Stratus, uh, there were so many guys. I'm not not even going to try to mention everybody because I'll forget somebody. (laughs) But this group of guys back then, every one of us wanted to have the best match on the card, period. And we wanted the best shows. I can honestly say, and there'll be people who will argue with me, but during that time in the state of Georgia, we were probably one of two organizations that were running shows uh, that were very good. I mean, there are a lot of shows that are okay, but these shows were very good, very talented people. We had a lot of guys who ended up going to the WWE and other places uh, over the years. Um, So it uh, it was really a great time. It was also during the attitude era uh, uh, on TV. So when you've got the Monday night wars taking place and yeah. you're in independent wrestling business is good during that time, because, yeah. uh, you know, all of a sudden wrestling's back and people are filing into the gymnasiums and armories everywhere yeah. to watch their local wrestlers. And, uh, it was just an incredible time. Yeah. Really. I don't know that we'll ever see that again. Although AEW is giving me hope. <laughs> and, you know, I'll, I'll touch up on that too. AEW and uh, the NWA is starting to come back. They actually have a show coming up at the end of August yep. in St. Louis. And uh, I don't know all the card yet. I know they're having an all-women's pay-per-view the first night. Yeah, I saw Mickey James got yep. uh, putting that together. Yeah, and, and I think I'm going to try to get up there. Uh, hopefully, uh, at least for the NWA 73 uh, event. Uh, but I think, you know, until once the pandemic hit, that kind of shut a lot of those guys down, unfortunately. I mean, I think NWA was on a on a good roll until yes, the coronavirus. I agree. Hit. I think that NWA was probably the hardest hit uh, from yeah, what I, I can tell because yeah. their momentum got stopped. Uh, yep. <clears throat> I agree with you. What they were doing before the pandemic was incredible. Yep. Good stuff. I, I, I was so excited. Yep. I didn't get interested into wrestling again uh, up until, uh, what's it been, three, four years now since I've been yeah. back. Um, but I, part of the reason I came back was the excitement of watching what uh, Cody Rhodes and Nick Aldis were doing, you yep. know, in their feud building up to their first match. Yes. That was old school wrestling. That was storytelling. <clears throat> that brought me back into wrestling along yep. with my desire to, you know, say goodbye to my dad and a few other things, but yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I went to Nashville, uh, NWA 70 in 2018. I was not disappointed at all. I, 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 I can't I, imagine that even the card, I see the people they have on the oh, yeah. card. It's it just was incredible. You know, I went to the fan fest that day, uh, all professional, real nice, signed all our stuff, took pictures, all that stuff. Oh, good. and then yeah, it was great. And then that night we went to the uh, the event, uh, my wife and I, and it was great. It was not, you know, I, we drove from Kansas City to Nashville. Ooh, wow! Yeah, so that was a little drive, but I mean, we stayed the weekend. But I mean, we we did it. It was kind of a package deal because she's not a big wrestling fan, but we did like the package deal. <laughs> she, we got to do stuff during the day for her, and then we did the my events in the evening. But I was not disappointed. And I was so. It was hard not to see them on YouTube and all that when they had those weekly NWA power shows. Yep. And, and, you know, and it's not the, I know they're back now. Yes. Uh, but I don't feel the same as I did pre pandemic. Uh, right. I like the YouTube show they ran that, that was, that was on my schedule every week. Yeah. Mine you know, too. And then all of a sudden that was it, you know, yeah. it, because of the pandemic and it, that was, I hated that. I hated that for Billy because I know Billy Corgan has put in a ton of time and effort into this promotion yeah. and trying to build it back up along with Nick. Yeah. And, you know, 
they've had they had a couple of speed bumps that got in their way uh, yeah. you know not just the pandemic and they had right. to fight through all that as well right but the nwa to me and i made this comment to um i think it was dave lagreca uh, i was speaking with him and, and i told him i said the only belt that means anything to me mm-hmm. as as somebody who grew up in the south and grew up with watching wrestling is that NWA belt. Every yeah. other belt out there to me is it's either a new belt, it has no lineage to it yet, or it's a retooled belt uh, with your logo on it. I want to see the belt that's carried up through the years to all the champions because that puts value on that title and it puts value on the promotion. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I'll say the only other belt, which I actually have, is the uh, AWA World Heavyweight title. I hey, That's another good belt. Yeah. I grew up in Wisconsin, so I watched Bachwinkle, Danya's, you know, all those guys. All the guys that were in the 80s in the WWF yep. were prior to that in the early 80s and 70s were in the AWA. And Who were, your, who were the top stars of, uh, while you were watching TV and getting into wrestling? Oh, when I was, okay, so I'll tell you, Nick Bockwinkle. Yes. Hulk Hogan, Ken Patera, Bobby Duncan, Bobby Heenan, the uh, the man. I couldn't stand that guy. <laughs> he did his job <laughs> to the T. That was his job. Yeah, Ray the Crippler Stevens, Jesse Ventura. Oh, yeah. I mean, who's who? You got to see them all. I got, see, to, I got see to see all. the Southern wrestlers. I got to see the Black Jack Mulligans, the Ric Flair's, Dusty Rhodes, you know, uh, Magnum TA, yeah. Tony Blanchard, all those guys. Um, mm-hmm. And I always, you know, it's always interesting when you talk to wrestling fans. What did you watch when you grew up? Who were your, you know, who were your stars? Yeah. Because back then, you know, for a lot of the young people watching, you know, pre-internet, we didn't know what happened in these other places. You nope. know, all we knew were the guys that we saw. We didn't, yep. we didn't know what happened up in New York unless you were with, uh, you know, some kind of a tape trading group maybe or something like that. Right. And uh, so we didn't know. So it's interesting to me now to talk to somebody who is my age, like you, yep. and go, what did you watch? Because, yep. you know, when I grew up, this is the kind of stuff we saw. What did you yep. see? And yep. you start to realize, man, there were a lot of great wrestling going on you never even heard about. Yeah, I will tell you uh, – once cable came in, uh, then I got uh, NWA, the Saturday night, oh, WCW, yeah. and then WWF. Yep, 605. Uh, and WWF at the time, and, and UWF, uh, Mid South, all of them started. So, but like I said, mine was the AWA. So uh, I had, they would come to our town every year yep. uh, at a local Catholic uh, school, gymnasium. Yep. They would come in. You would never see that today. Oh, no, no. I, look, I saw uh, a lot of the big guys in the South. Like I was mentioning, like uh, Jet Mulgan, Dusty yeah. Rhodes, people like that. In small places, I yep. mean, you can see them in the shrines, in the alley mm-hmm. shrine, you know, temple places that they had. And, yep. uh, the National Guard armories. Mm-hmm. They would show up in places like that. <laughs> You're not going to see Roman Reigns in an armory, I can promise you. Not, not until he's retired. <laughs> right. Yeah, at a signing or something. That. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's and I want to get into that a little bit later about the, the lost art and stuff. But I want to talk to you. So when you were in wrestling, I mean you are again, but with the first time, your travel experience. Did you wrestle? Uh I didn't travel a whole lot uh okay. in my first 10 years. I, I guess we ought to say mention this. I, I wrestled for 10 years, uh mm-hmm. started at the age of 38, wrestled for uh about no, actually a little less than 10 years, um, and broke my neck. Uh, I broke my neck wow. in a uh, cage match um, against Mike Stratus. Actually, that's online too. It's one of the videos that's, uh, I think it's on YouTube. If it's not, it's on my Facebook. Okay. Um, but uh, it, it, he didn't break it when he came down and made the hit on my neck. It's just over time, I had a lot of abuse and that just, that was the one that just kind of said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and the doctor says, you know, you don't want to get back in there anytime soon. So I was yeah. out for 10 years. Okay. Um, what were we saying before that? What were we talking about? You're traveling. Travel. Oh, yeah. So I didn't really travel much uh, in my first years. I was still learning so much that I was staying within our, our actual group of guys. I worked in uh, three, four different feds over the time, um, but in different places. Yeah. That was the first place I wrestled. I, I went in and we wrestled probably two years there, maybe three. Okay. 
Um, and things changed quite a bit and it got to the point where I realized I need to go somewhere else yeah. uh, for creativity. And I also wanted to find out if I could get myself over in a different town, you know, yeah. okay, this worked, this is in my hometown and it worked here and it worked great. Can I replicate this, you know, somewhere else? Uh, and that's always a fear. You know, yeah. when you go to a new fed, you know, you could be the hottest thing in one place and you could be a dud somewhere else. And so we went to a different fed myself and my partner and, uh, immediately got over. Uh, we were picked up right where we left off. Okay. So we were lucky. Um, yeah. I just have always had a connection with the fans. I don't yeah. know what it is. I don't know if it's, I'm very approachable. I like yeah. talking to people. I, I yeah. don't, you know, hey, get away from me. You know, that's not me. Yeah. Um, I remember even when I was wrestling my first time around, uh, my wife and I, we'd go to video stores. Yes, there were video stores at one time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we'd go to the video store looking for a video or something to watch. And there would always be these kids. I see them looking around the corner and they're afraid to walk up to me, but they, they know me from wrestling. Yeah. And um, eventually I just had to go like that. Just let them know it was okay. They come yeah. over and they want to talk and the parents, oh, I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. Yeah. And, and, and that's weird because I was an independent wrestler. I was also working on radio in the same town. And you would think people would know me from radio more so than wrestling. Well, it came to be that they got more known from a certain group of people, you know, from wrestling, not from radio, and yeah. especially the kids who really took to me. Yeah. And I knew that. I knew the kids took to me and, I, and it always got to be, I can't do certain things because I don't want the kids to see this. I, you right. know, and even to this day, I have grandkids. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the first time that they ever saw me wrestle was just a few years ago uh, when I came back. And I was very cautious of what I did that night while they were there because I wanted to make, I didn't want them to see me in a, in, in a light. They might go, oh, I've never seen him do that. Because when Mad Mac is in the ring, yeah, he has a little harder edge, you know, than what we're at, what we have right, right now. I'm nice and funny and friendly, but piss me <laughs> off. We got a problem. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. I, I, yeah, it's, uh, it can be a challenge. I know that. It can uh, be. Yeah. So have you been a heel? I played a heel for a short period of time because I wanted to. That's the way. Again, I wanted to have some creativity. Yeah. I was getting stale uh, in my mind as a good guy. Yeah. And I wanted to see, you know, could I put that black hat on and, yeah. and, and make something happen? And so I came up with an idea that was to safeguard my face character in the event the heel didn't work. Yeah. And that was that I was actually undercover. I, I was not really a bad guy, although it appeared that way for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, but it ended up being that I was actually uh, the good guy that just infiltrated the bad guy's lair and uh, uh, crazed, you know, caused them to lose their belts and bust up. And uh, so that was the only time. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you go from people cheering you and, you know, chanting your name and stuff. And again, this has been a while back. Yeah. Old ladies smacking you with your canes all of a sudden and throwing <laughs> drinks on you is a whole different experience. But I embraced it, yeah. but fans still would cheer me, even though I was a bad guy. And that was yeah. a weird time. You know, you got to remember, we're talking about Monday Night Wars, and that area yeah. of good and bad guy was getting really gray. Yeah. And I was dancing on that line quite a bit, trying to find my way, yeah. uh, because fans were wanting more to see somebody who fought authority than somebody who stood up for the, for the yep. right thing. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I remember the attitude era. I remember oh, yeah. Monday night wars, the outsiders from WCW. And yeah, it was, yeah, I got a show coming up uh, actually next weekend and that show, Kevin Nash will be there. Uh, he and I, and another guy will be yeah. doing commentary. Yeah. And uh, we have, you know, there's a part of that show that's going to be uh, really cool. Okay. And uh, it was something that, again, uh, you know, it just kind of came up in my mind. I'm like, hey, I got an idea. We want to try this. Everybody's good with it. So I'm looking forward to it going down. It'll be on YouTube. If by the time people, this is out, people yeah. will probably be on YouTube and people can watch it. So, so uh, you're working for a promotion now. Uh, what's the name of it? And, uh, IWN. It's Independent IW Wrestling Network. Uh, okay. It's a new group. It's the first show that they've had. Okay. Um, I actually was working for uh, Larry Otto Pro Wrestling, which was uh, which is Doc Gallo's uh, promotion. Okay, yeah, Doc and, Gallows, yeah. Uh, Doc, uh, I worked for Doc for a little more than a year. I was filling in while they were trying to find somebody. 
<laughs> it got to be where I was the guy and that's, you know, and, yeah. and, and that was okay. I enjoyed it. Um, but I, it just got to a point where I know that ring announcing is not exactly my forte. It's not what I really want to do. I enjoy right. it is I can do it. Um, yeah. but I want to perform. Yeah. I, I, there's a performer in me that has not died. And so a new promoter came along and said, I got an idea. I want to do some stuff, but I want you to have some input and tell me what you'd like to do. And as we talked, we realized we were probably good for one another. And uh, it would give me an opportunity to uh, still be able to perform at least for another year. um, And maybe even be able to have one more match, which is something I, my wife would not like to hear, but the truth is I I believe that there may be another match and you know, still in the bag for me. And that excites me uh, because I want to perform. Well, I can tell you, um, I've seen you on YouTube and all that, and you are in excellent physical condition. I will tell you that. Um, I wish I were in better. Now, yeah, at one time, I was in pretty good shape, but when COVID came along, that's, yeah. you know, a lot of us guys had a hard time getting into gyms. Yeah. So you had to kind of work out out of the house. I've just now really started getting back into the gym. Yeah. Uh, I was down, uh, if you had called me a week ago, actually, we talked, you know, I was fighting bronchitis for almost a month. Oh, wow. Uh, it was kicking my tail. And uh, so, I, you know, I'm just now getting back in the shape where I need to be. Well, as you get older, it gets a little tougher. Yes, it, yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. So when, when you were wrestling or when you are wrestling, uh, who was your the opponent that you had the most chemistry with as far as wrestling? There were two. Uh, there were two guys that I have worked with. There have been many that, I, that we've had good matches with. Yeah. But two that I just, there's that connection. Yeah. Uh, one is Richie Wires, who was known as the Platinum Playboy. He's actually from Rage in the Cage, one of my first cage matches ever. And uh, he was funny is that I again I started at 38 years of age, mm-hmm. so I think it was probably age 39 that he and I were in the cage together, and he was probably 21. Yeah, wow. he was just he was just a baby. Yeah. And uh, here's this kid teaching me, helping me through this match. Yeah. Uh, but we always had chemistry. And the reason why I, we looked at each other before that first cage match and said, look, I'm going to lay these in. It's going to hurt. I'm sorry. I apologize now. And we went out and we did the match that way. In independent wrestling, one of the things that drives me crazy is when they, if, if you throw a punch or if you hit somebody, the fans are right on you. If yeah. you're not laying those licks in like they ought to be, yeah, the fans will never believe what they're watching. And for me, even as a kid, I was a magician when I was a kid. I should mention that too. <laughs> I did magic. Um, but to me, there's always that mystique and the magic that you've got to make them believe. What can yeah. you do to make them go, oh, God, man, he just knocked the snot out of him. Yeah. The only way to do that is to actually do it. Yeah. and be able to take those punches and be able to deliver those punches in a safe enough way that you're not killing each other, right. but it remains believable. Richie was one of those guys. He and I could go out and beat the crap out of each other, be sore the next day, but yeah. I, I love him like a brother. He loved me like a brother. Still do. We still talk to this day. The other one is Mike Stratus uh, from the GIWA. Mike is a uh, there's a lot of things about Mike I like. Mike uh, gave a home to a lot of guys who needed somewhere to go yeah. uh, to not just apply their talents, but to uh, maybe get away from the bad things. You know, maybe yeah. they were, you know, I'm not saying this is the case, but, you know, maybe they had uh, drug issues at home or an alcoholic at home or something. This was a place they could come to yeah. and get away and be themselves without all that going on. Yeah. And uh, so, Mike Stratus, when I came back after a 10-year absence, uh, I had gone through pretty deep depression. I didn't realize I had gone through depression yeah, uh, or that I was in it. Uh, but once I did, I made a, a promise to myself that I was going to get back in shape, get back in the ring, and uh, have another match. You know, Because that's where I remember being happy last was you know, being in the ring and working. And Mike, God bless him, uh, he's our age. And, uh, you know, I'm asking him to do a cage match one-on-one at our age. You know, here, you know, we're we're not young kids. We're in our, (laughs) we're in our fifties. Yeah. We're going to, we're talking about doing a singles 
match, which is hard enough for two older guys. Uh, Cause most times you see the older guys and, you know, tag team or six man tags, because, you know, we're not exactly as in shape as we used to be, no. but I was asking him to go in back in there and do it like we used to do it. And I thought we pre- did pretty damn good. Uh, he, he said, yes, despite the fact that he really didn't want to in the beginning, cause he was worried about whether we could pull it off. Yeah. Um, but he and I have always had that chemistry. He was the heel. I was the face. And everybody knew if we got around each other, something was going to happen. That's yeah. just how it was. Same thing with yeah. Richie Wires. Richie Wires and I, we uh, actually ran into a huddle house after a show one night. And this is maybe about 45 minutes after a show. You think you're kind of safe. I walk in. I start having, you know, my meal. And it's probably about midnight. And he walks in and there are fans in there. And oh. all of a sudden I'm like, again, we like to keep things legit. Yeah. I got up, we looked at each other. We started mouthing off at one another. I put my stuff down and then the people in huddle house were actually getting like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> we're starting to get loud. And yeah. I finally said, fine, I'll get out of here to save us trouble. And I just paid my bill and walked out and said something like, you know, I'll see you next month. And the fans like, Oh God, man, they about threw down in huddle house. That's important. That kind of yeah. stuff's important to me. Yeah, and yeah. So I always work well with people who have that same belief that, you know, let's keep this real. The K fame. Yes, very much so. Yes. Let's talk about that. Pro wrestling, the main, you know, the big ones uh, today versus yesteryear, you know, 15, 20 years ago, even. Your opinion, if you will, about the difference and, and good, bad, indifferent, whatever. I Again, I think it goes back to what we had talked about a while ago. Uh, watching habits have yep. changed drastically. What people want uh, out of wrestling has changed drastically. I'm not sure that it's for the best. I know that sounds like an old man, and and, and but mm-hmm. I'm going to – let me say this. I think that there – is room for both in a wrestling program uh, where you have storylines and old school type of feel along yeah. with the exhibition wrestling, which is what I consider a lot of wrestling to be now. Yeah. Unfortunately, people are using more moves and multiple moves to wow people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not about, you know, the story or working a body part or, 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 you know, why is this guy not like this guy? That doesn't matter. It's just look what I can do. And that kind of wrestling, I don't enjoy personally. There are yeah. people who do. Yeah. Um, I like storylines. I, yeah. I like, you know, why are these two guys wanting to beat the crap out of one another? There's got to be a reason. Tell me the reason, you know, and show me and tell me that story in the ring. The art of telling a story, I think, has uh, gotten lost. And we've now taken over with exhibition wrestling more so than storytelling. I hate that. Yeah. Um, but I think that AEW, uh, you know, we talked about this a while ago, too. AEW is a group that is blending both. You know, you see a lot of what Cody does. That's old school. And yeah. I like that. Yeah. And you see stuff like uh, Jungle Boy or, you know, or the Young Bucks. These guys are more new school with exhibition wrestling. Look, I can watch a Young Bucks match. Love yeah. the match. Go, wow, that was incredible. Yeah. I'm not sure what the story was. But the match yeah. was incredible. Yeah. You know, I like stories. That's what yeah. brings me back. I'll tell you, my my favorite wrestler right now, to me personally, is Chris Jericho. I think, in my opinion, he is old school, but he knows how to blend all that together, the, the new stuff and everything he always has yeah he's like, just a good on the mic and he's good in the ring and he can tell a story and he and, knows how to reinvent himself which is extremely important in wrestling yeah. you can't be the same guy 30 years that's not going to work you can no. be the same guy but that character's got to have some nuances in it that people want to see yeah. and chris continues to have all these different type of characters he's bringing yeah. the pain maker back now you know yeah. and uh so you see things like that. I, I love Chris for that. I think his uh, creativity and the ability oh, yeah. to blend the old and the new together. He's one of the few that can mm-hmm. do that. Uh, yeah. There's not many out there. And most of the ones who can do that are with AEW. Yeah. I will tell you too, that, you know, he, the inner circle that they have right now, uh, 
he's got young guys, he's got veterans in there. It's a good mix. And I just enjoy that part of it. You know, like, the, yeah, they get, they get a lot of heat. Uh, I've seen it a lot the last of heat, few yeah. weeks about, Oh, they're hiring all these old WWE guys. Give me a break. Yeah. These guys coming from WWE is no different than a football player trading from one team to another. Yeah. You're getting better talent, more yeah. talent to add to your roster to make it one of the best. Yeah. We do that in all sports. Why can't yeah. we do that in wrestling? Yeah. That to me, I, I hear people put that up all the time. It's like people are getting lost in WWE versus AEW. That's not what it should be. No. It's wrestling. You're getting yeah. wrestling. Be happy. <laughs> what yeah. the hell's the problem? Yeah. This is good stuff. You yeah. can choose. If you don't like WWE, just don't watch it. Yeah. You don't have to bash them. Just don't watch it. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, I'd watch the big three back then. Uh, AWA, WWF, and NWA, you know. Yep. And... I think that's, and the storytelling is a lost art because there's a pay-per-view every month with uh, yes. WW or E, excuse me. Uh, that's one of their biggest problems. I, I'm glad you pointed that out. I've yeah. always thought they've had too many pay-per-views. Uh, the pay-per-views coming every 30 days forces you to tell a story basically in two to three weeks. Yeah. You can't do that. You no build-up. There's no build-up. Or very minimal build-up, I should say. My first cage match in independent wrestling. I'll go back to that. That was a year-long buildup till we had that. We but we just brewed that thing for a year to the point where the fans just couldn't wait to see it happen. We paid, the place was sold out, wall to wall people, and uh, actually when I uh, won the match and came over the cage, the fans came out of the stands and got up around me, which scared the hell out of me. I'm bleeding everywhere, and these kids are trying to hug me, and you're like, whoa, 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 I'm bleeding, you know. And yeah. You don't want to get up on anybody, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a different time too, you know. Totally you know, different time. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, probably one of the best matches or buildups I saw was when I was watching the AWA. It was between Hulk Hogan and Nick Bockwinkle. Oh God, yes, that was a great. Uh, that was a great feud. You hated Bockwinkle. I hated him so much, and Heenan. I, oh, yeah. I just couldn't stand him. And, and, but they played their role. They they told the story. And it was a buildup, you know, you'd see on TV, they come in, whatever, you know, they do their little things and it wasn't just a couple of weeks and then it fizzled out. I mean, this was a, a year like you had. Oh yeah. Yeah. I and, mean, that's how, that's how they were back then. Yeah. Um, a lot of the storylines, they continued months, even yeah. to a year, you know, yeah. of course now the one thing they did back then that they still need to do to this day is, um, I just had a fly go past my head. So I'm to do it. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Uh, Talk about your build-up for your your cage match. Yeah, I, I can't remember what I was going to say about it, but uh, yeah, um, you know, hey. Oh, that's all right. Don't worry about <laughs> the it. The fly's going by. Yeah, the fly. Like, well, how did the fly get in here? I don't know. <laughs> Well, let's talk about some of your projects you 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 are doing or working on or have. I mean, last night I was going through some stuff and I'm like, I don't know how this guy has any time for me alone. Your family, I mean, you're doing independent wrestling network. You do the after chat. You got your business with Max Message on hold. You have hey, yeah. Hands- by the way, if you need Message on hold, give us a call. Lowest price in the country, I bet you. All right, you heard it. Max-USA.com. <laughs> There you go. And I'll put that up underneath after the show. Handshakes and hot dogs. Steel Scorpion, the road trip. I mean, a lot of those uh, shows that you're talking about um, came up out of boredom, partly. But uh, also, I wanted to show my talents. And I knew the best way to show my talents was to put together my own shows, uh, you know, bottom to top. Um, You know, what you see, whether it's the video, uh, the audio, whatever it may be, I've mixed it, produced it, and put it down. Uh, And I wanted people to know that, you know, I'm multi-talented. I don't just wrestle in the ring. I can produce videos. I can produce audio pieces, uh, voiceovers. I can do all kinds of things. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say right now on your show, because I was going to do this recently. I'll just do it right here. Tony Khan, I'm talking to you. 
I've got one hell of an idea that you and I need to talk about. If you don't like it, you don't like it. That's fine. But I promise you, I've got an idea that will put somebody over an AEW bigger than hell. Give me a call. Contact me. Let me know. Again, if you don't like my idea, you don't like it. I don't. It's not going to hurt my feelings, but I yeah. think you will like it. That's you're, it. You heard <laughs> it here. Tony Khan, AEW president and owner. Give him a call. And I, t- I was going to ask you, do you do all that production work yourself? I do. Uh, and it that is amazing. Work. That is amazing. I mean, I thought you hired a professional no. production company. That- no, I've taught myself how to work with uh, Adobe After Effects and Premiere designs and stuff like that. It's yeah. I, one thing that I've always done is I've always wanted to teach myself how things were done. Yeah. Uh, first, before I went to somebody else, because when you go to uh, someone to do that work for you, you're going to pay through the nose. Yeah, you are. If you can teach yourself how to do it. You can save a lot of money. And that's part of how I got into message on hold. As a matter of fact, my business, yeah. um, I got into that because I realized people were charging so much money for a service that really doesn't cost that much. Yeah. Basically, they were getting robbed. And when I saw the business that was out there, I I bought this business, lowered the prices down to an affordable price with no contracts. And that made the business boom uh, because you're being honest with people. And uh, so that's when I started doing my wrestling stuff, I wanted to put stuff together because I wasn't trusting the pricing I was getting and good and with a good reason too. Uh, I can tell you now that let's say just one of those shows, the opens and all the stuff that takes place in it. Yeah. You would figure that costs quite a bit of money. I could do all that, you know, myself mm-hmm. for less than a hundred dollars, but I, I had to teach myself how to yeah. do it. That's where the value is. And um, you know, but I've always been that way. I've always yeah. wanted to know how things were done so that I can save money. I, I'm yeah. a penny pincher when I need to be. Uh, <laughs> I am as well. Okay. I will tell you folks, if you're listening to this, you need to go, on Max's uh, Facebook page or, or Twitter or whatever, look at his website, look at his YouTube channel. I mean, it is amazing. I, I'm not kidding. I watched it last night, and I thought for sure you high outsourced that oh. because it's incredible. I mean, your Thank graphics, you. your production is, is first rate. I mean, I'm really impressed. That's one of the things that I, I really am trying to get across to some of these bigger organizations like AEW, Tony Khan, um, <laughs> but uh, also, you know, in ROH, even people yeah. like that. There's a need for what I, I have talents for. Yeah. When, if you were to hire me from one of those organizations, and I'm really not trying to get it, I am a small business owner, semi-retired on top of that. Yeah. So I'm not really pushing to get a job. Although I do think I have value for some of these groups. And I do believe that I have ideas that would be very beneficial to some of these groups, AEW, Tony Khan, uh, (laughs) that I really think uh, they need to at least just give me a listen. Let me just tell you the idea. And I think knowing Tony and the way that he books and the things that he enjoys, this idea would pop Tony. I just know it would. But you have to get through to him to let him know that. And uh, so, and I've sent stuff over, you know, private packages, but they always get around Tony to somebody else. And it's like, no, Tony, you and I need to talk because I promise you there's an idea that you're going to love. Well, you know, there's always a bunch of executive assistants or other people that are around him that, you know, they don't want the buffer. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you also um, about, uh your production uh that was just amazing and you how do you have time for your family that's what I well you know you and I were talking before we went on yeah and, uh, yeah I, I, I've got kids and grandkids so it's now it's just me and the wife yeah. and uh, so there's a lot of time <laughs> she's usually ready for me to go do something so I can get out of her hair yeah um because I've already lost all mine you know she's afraid I'll take hers too I'm with you. (laughs) (laughs) So we we have a lot of time, but I also, because I'm semi-retired during the day, I also find time. I, my mind is constantly going. That's part of my problem. Uh, I'm a very creative individual. So my, the creativity just continues to roll. And and as I've gotten older, I've realized, God, I can't just sit still because my mind goes crazy. Yeah. And it's like, well, boy, this make a good video. 
I wonder if I could do this. I bet I could. And that's kind of, you know, and then I start getting myself so wrapped up into it. Yeah. Uh, I've done videos. My wife will tell you this. I'll start on a video and it'll be like, this has really turned out pretty good. And I can't leave. I won't eat. I won't drink. I won't get up from my desk until that video is completely yeah. done because my creativity is, is just rowing so fast that I've got to get it out or it's going to be in there driving me nuts. Yeah. Kind of have the same mentality. I got to get something done. Once I started, I can't. Yes. Yes. Put it I, down I can't let it come lay. Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't let it lay. Oh, I'm, I'm with you. So you work with all these other people. How do you get involved with all the, I mean, I see you with Tommy Rich. You had an interview with him a few months back. You're working with Kevin Nash here in, in a week or so. You know, you're working with Bill Apter. How did you get all those connections? How did you? You're not going to believe me when I tell you this. When I came back uh, from my broken neck and I got into wrestling and, and after I had the matches that I had planned in my head that I wanted mm -hmm. to do when I came back, once I knew I was done with that, I knew I needed to take another route in wrestling so I could still be involved in wrestling. Yeah. And that's when I started doing interviews and commentary and stuff like that, because I, I knew that blending my radio background with my wrestling background could be a benefit. And that's really where that came from. Um, but more importantly, fear was no longer an issue. Um, it, I, I, I can, it's funny. I don't know if it just happens at a certain age or if you can learn it earlier you would think that uh, with everything that I did over my life, that fear would not have been a factor in meeting and doing certain things. But in wrestling, it was. That was mm -hmm. new to me. Mm -hmm. And I finally got to a point where I thought, you know what? Screw this. I'm 57. I'm almost 58 now. I'm 58 years old. You know, I, I don't have a lot of time to keep going. One day I'm going to, no, it needs to be today. Yeah. This is when it needs to happen. And when you get that mindset, all that fear just goes away. Don't get me wrong. I can still walk out on stage and still be scared to death when I first walk out there, but yeah. in a good way. Yeah. Um, the fear as far as saying I can do it, that's not there anymore. I can tell yeah. you I can walk on dynamite right now and cut a promo with no problem at all in front of thousands of people. Wouldn't bother me for a second. Yeah. It, in my mind, it might be, but you wouldn't yeah. know it while you're watching. Yeah. Um, that's just, it, it's a it's a freedom that came with that, that I can't yeah. explain. Yeah. Uh, and so all this other stuff happened, walking up and talking to complete strangers I've never met before. How you doing, Jake? You know, Jake the snake. Oh, good. Let's have a call. Let's have a conversation. Okay. Yeah. Boom. You know, it's just no fear. That's yeah. what it came down to. No fear. That's man. Cause you, I mean, I've seen a lot of interactions with those wrestlers and you know, I've been doing this for about a year, this podcasting, and I was nervous. I did my first one with Greg Gagne last August, almost a year ago. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's hard sometimes to get people on here uh, just because, rightfully so, some people, hey, I need X amount of dollars. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I say, well, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not Joe Rogan or any of these guys that have all these, uh, but I've had some good people on here, uh, yourself included. And it, it was you know, a challenge. I found too, when you try to get these other guys, yeah, you find the ones who don't want the money, but want to talk about the business. It's a yeah. better interview. Oh yeah. It really it, it's not about the money. They're not watching a clock going, Oh, Hey, your time's almost up. Cause you only paid this much money. Yeah. I, as I mentioned earlier, my father was a newspaper man. The thought of paying somebody for an interview goes against everything I was raised with because yeah. they didn't do that in newspaper. I didn't do it in radio. And I had a lot of, you know, even in radio, you know, uh, I don't remember, but when the little girl fell down the well, I think it was Jessica, maybe, or I can't remember what her name was. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. She was down in a well in Texas, maybe. Yeah. And uh, nobody could get a story on that. I called from the radio station and called a convenience store. The sheriff happened to be in the convenience store and I got an interview right on the spot about the latest where she was. Wow. Um, a lot of it's luck, but a lot of it's having the perseverance of going, screw this. I, I, I won't, I won't take no for an answer. I'm just not, you know, I, I know it's possible. So let's make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Now for the most part, you know, I, if I get a hold of them and they contact me, they say, yeah, when do you want to do it? And I set up a date and time. Yeah. And it's great. I mean, I've, I've done this for about a year. I've never done anything like this in my entire life. As far as this, I mean, I've talked in front of people and things like that, but uh, 
And, and you was, feel a lot freer than you used to? Oh yeah. I mean, okay. I can I can I can do it now talking to you. I feel like I've known you for 20 years. And it's it's great. And you know, I just again I appreciate you coming on today. And what are you doing now? We talked about your event coming up next week. Are there any other projects that you're working on? Yes, as a matter of fact, I wanted to bring this up and I had it on my computer. If I can get my computer to come back up over here. <laughs> Let me slide right over here and get a password put in. Go, go for it. So I'm going to reiterate while he's doing that, get on Matt Davis's social media, his YouTube. He has a lot of great content on his YouTube channel, on his uh, after chats. It's amazing. And the production quality is, like I said before, through the roof. It really is. I'm sorry. And for a guy that does it all himself, that makes it even more impressive. I appreciate those kind words. I really do. Okay. So now... What are we doing? Here's the thing that's coming up that uh, I think this will probably be, uh, I'm not sure when the show will come out, but it's probably around the same time. Okay. But the uh, International Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame in Albany, New York, that's coming up uh, on the same weekend as the NWA event you were talking about earlier, oh. uh, August 27th through the 29th. Okay. And that's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be there as a part of the, uh, the contributing folks for the, uh, I, yeah. uh, for the International Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. Bill Apter will be there as well with this one-man show. Yes. A heck of a wrestling card on that Friday night uh, that includes Mark Henry, uh, oh. Hall of Famer Mark Henry. He'll be yeah. there with many other big stars. And then, of course, uh, the induction ceremony. And I wanted to talk about some of these guys and just kind of let you know who's getting inducted. Yeah, the please. The class of 2021 includes Bruno San Martino, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Luthez, Buddy Rogers, Frank Gotch, Danny Hodge, Terry Funk, Giant Baba, Ed Stringer Lewis, and many, many more. There's a whole group of these guys going in. This is the first year, so they're putting in a lot of big names in the first year. Um, I believe the Rock and Roll Express, I think I heard that they're going to be there uh, for this, along with some other folks that will be mentioned as we go along. But this weekend is going to be a great weekend. It's in Albany, New York. And again, that's the 27th through the 29th. And that's the International Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. If you you haven't checked it out yet, go online. I believe it's... uh, IPWHF.org, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and you'll find them there. If not, just put in International Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. So the, the who's who are being inducted. They're going to be there. That's that's Well, they're not going to be there. They'll, they'll be inducted. Some of those folks will be there. I'm just not sure yeah. who all is coming yet. Right. Yeah. I know that there's word. Uh, the uh, One of the folks was saying that Terry Funk uh, had been talking about wanting to come. And uh, but there's a question whether or not he'll actually be able to attend or not. His health yeah. is not the best in the world. You know, he lost his wife not long ago. And yeah. Terry's getting a little bit older, but uh, yeah. it, that's somebody I would love to meet. I have oh, never met Terry. And uh, Terry too. is someone I would like to meet. Yeah. Yeah. He would be a good storyteller about his experiences. There's no, no doubt oh, yeah. in my mind about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And other things that I'm doing now um, yeah. really are just. Uh, a lot of those shows you were talking about, I still do those shows. Uh, Road Trip really is the uh, the one show that I do quite a bit uh, because I interview a bunch of people at one time, uh, yeah. different shows, and then post them when I can. Um, and that really, I enjoy that format. It's uh, It doesn't put a lot of pressure on the guys because, you know, uh, hey, let's sit down and talk just for a few minutes. You know how it is. Sometimes you can say a few minutes and they'll keep talking and you just Hey, look, if you want to talk, I'm going to keep yeah. rolling. So, yeah. And some of those guys do that. But I enjoy that. I really do. And I'm hoping you'll see me in uh, some bigger type of things as time goes on in the, uh, in the next year here. Well, you, like I said, go to Mac's uh, Facebook page or any of his social media outlets. And he Ad has Mac Davis. Davis, Facebook and uh, Twitter. Yeah. And I'm telling you, his content is first rate. I I, I can't even describe it. it I, I really thought it was pro- a professional production company. Thank you. I, I appreciate that so, very much. I do. And I know I keep saying that, but that's how I really feel because it's that good. To oh, me. We're actually going to be uh, the, the 
the last I've heard, and I think this is still going to be the case, um, okay. I will probably be uh, producing uh, the International Professional Hall of Fame's uh, ceremony. Uh, oh. Video opens and packages and stuff like that. So uh, if it's, everything's still what it was supposed to be, uh, it should be one heck of a show. I'm sure it will be if you're doing it. I have no doubt nope. in my mind about that. All right. Well, Mr. Mac Davis, thank you for coming thank on you. today. I really I appreciate, appreciate it. it. I enjoyed to see it. Wasn't that hard at all, was it? No. <laughs> no. What he's referring to, about folks, before, is... before we went on the air, full disclosure, before we went on, he was a little bit nervous about talking because I've been in radio for so long. Yeah. And I, the one thing I said was, just be you, because yeah. it makes for a better thing. You did a great job. Great well, thank job. you. Thank you. And thank you for all your your stories and your and your content. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, folks, keep a lookout for us. We'll be on. Uh, our next one is going to be with uh, Baby Doll here soon in the next Ooh. week or so. Yeah, so I know Baby Doll. She's yeah. a sweetheart. That's and I've watched videos of her, and she seems like a fantastic lady. So keep a look out. Missy for that. Hyatt, by the way, Missy Hyatt's also another great person you should talk to. I'm trying to get a hold of her. <laughs> She's well, a hard well, one. I can I can probably make that happen. So get All with right. me after the show. All right, folks. Again, thank you for coming. Or or what? If you're watching, thank you. If you're listening, thank you. Again, Mr. Mac Davis, Steel Scorpion, Mad Mac Davis. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate and, it. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you all soon.